0: The Blockhash podcast is also brought to you by Viva Digital. Viva Digital has a team of experts that can solve the technological problems of your computer. They can also offer the best advice to carry out those computer projects that you have planned. They are located in beautiful Medellin, Colombia in Monterey Mall. Be sure to follow them on Instagram at vivadigital.com.co and don't miss any promotion. The Blockash Podcast is also brought to you by the Liberland Aid Foundation. The Liberland Aid Foundation is the humanitarian arm of the Free Republic of Liberland, whose philosophies of freedom, volunteerism, and charity communicate to the international community the compassion that Liberland has for the world. The Liberland Aid Foundation is a U.S.-registered 501c3. All donations made are tax-deductible. To learn more, go visit liberlandfoundation.org. All of the awesome audio and beats on the Blockhash podcast are brought to you by my good friend Tiger at It's Tiger Music. So go check out It's Tiger on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Music. Hey guys, it is Wednesday, October 21st. This week on the podcast, Eric Agema joins me to discuss Blockchain Center in Miami. We talk about Bitcoin, the educational system, and she also has a magazine through Blockchain Center. So I'm going to put a bunch of links for this stuff in the description below. So make sure you go and check it out. So be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about Bitcoin, Blockchain, or Blockchain Center. Enjoy. Anyways, Erica, thanks for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate you taking the time. It's awesome to get the chance to talk to you today. Yeah, for sure. So for my audience who may or may not be familiar with who you are, can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into uh, what you're doing now or with Bitcoin, with Blockchain Center, just like a, kind of a brief idea for them?
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me today. Definitely would love to share with your audience uh, a little bit about me. Uh, I first learned about Bitcoin when I was campaigning for Ron Paul back during his uh, 2012 campaign.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it was just being around the those people who loved liberty and they knew about freedom and technology. I heard about Bitcoin and then, you know, Ron Paul lost and I kind of Forgot about it because I brain dumped everything. I knew the government was corrupt, but you know I didn't know how corrupt they were. And I moved to Florida. Um, I have a degree in aeronautics. I went to a school called Embry Riddle Aeronautical University, which is like the top aviation school in the world. And. While I was there, I was still very interested in economics. I would host debates on campus about Austrian versus Keynesian economics. I was a student assistant for the Department Chair of Economics. And I would even, you know, host speeches on campus like the corruption of the mainstream media and like who is Rupert Murdoch. So really fun, but you know, I had brain dumped everything. So I forgot about Bitcoin. And then um, after I graduated, I started working for an aircraft leasing company, buying, selling, trading, commercial airplanes. And at the time I had worked for a big bank called CIT. They have, they're have they the top five aircraft lessor in the world. And at the time, the man who was managing it, his name was John Thane. Now, John Thane is a legendary banker or bankster, as you can call it. He did the merger between Bank of America and Merrill Lynch, and then a week lo- later, you know, Lehman Brothers Falls, he walks away with fifty million dollars, just you know, unscathed, starts working for CIT Bank afterwards. And there was this one day where he had all of the new hires in a room. and you know it was just like meet the big CEO. And I remember at the end of his presentation, I was racking my brain for a really good question and I remembered Bitcoin. So I asked him, you know, what do you think about Bitcoin? He and everyone in the room pretty much laughed at me. And then I was like, all right, I need to go back down the rabbit hole. So, um, after that, um, I had been talking about like Bitcoin to people within my local community. I started a Crypto Mondays, just like a Bitcoin meetup here in Miami. Grew The response was great. I mean, I had hundreds of people come out and we would just host fun events. Um, and then kind of just saw the writing on the wall, knew that this was the industry that I wanted to be in, knew that it was time for me to take a risk in my life. And so uh, I met my business partner, Scott, who you just talked to. And Nick Spanos, I have known since Ron Paul days. uh, We met back then Mm. and we just decided to open up a Bitcoin center here in Miami. Now, if you guys know anything about the original Bitcoin center in New York City, there's a documentary called Banking on Bitcoin, which talks all about it. And uh, it was just the first physical trading places of Bitcoin. Nick Spanos is very much like me. He opened it up within a thousand feet of the New York Stock Exchange. First physical trading place of Bitcoin. Uh, And so we decided to keep that legacy on in Miami because, you know, Miami is an international hub and we're going to see how this plays out. But it's going to make a lot of sense for blockchain and cryptocurrencies to have a home base and a voice here in this city.
0: Nice. Is it because you're based in Miami or you just see the opportunity through Miami?
1: I mean, it's both. We're based in Miami, but we're based here and we have team members that move here because there's opportunity here. Like for example, when the blockchain center opened up, so blockchaincenter.com is where you can find more information about us. Uh, but when we opened up, we had the mayor of Miami came out. Our sponsors were the Greater Miami Chamber of I'm sorry, the Greater Miami Chamber of Commerce, the Beacon Council, the Downtown Development Authority, the Miami Beach Chamber of Commerce. You're really seeing the whole city here try and change our demographic from being one that makes money on tourism to becoming a tech hub, especially now in the coronavirus economy where everybody can work from home. Why not work from home and then go to the beach?
0: So. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's a good combination being able to dink around with blockchain and then go down to the beach, <laughs> especially when you're staring at those numbers all day. Um, Are you a trader? Some, in some respects, yes. Um, not like a day trader. Um, mm-hmm. I've tried that. It, that shit will just drive you crazy. But yeah. um, I've done some swing trading, mostly just hold long-term and wait. I mean, the industry, it's so volatile. It, it goes up and down so quickly and it's, it's a pain to watch it every single day. So mm-hmm. I, I just buy in and expect it to move one direction or the other over a period of time and
1: mm-hmm.
0: don't really focus on it too much. It just, it just will drive you crazy.
1: That's good. You buy what you do research on.
0: Exactly, exactly. With the
1: DeFi movement, people are not doing that anymore. Well,
0: well the DeFi movement is, um, it's got some issues still, but it's, it's mm-hmm. promising. I think it's gonna depend mostly on the platform though, okay. that um, what platform ends up succeeding in the future. Cause you got all kinds of factors like transaction fees and latency problems. And um, is that really gonna be on Ethereum in the future? Is that gonna be on some other protocol? so i think Defi as a space is really up in the air but
1: Mm.
0: we'll find out um so what do you guys do at blockchain center because i perused the website and i saw that you guys kind of do some coaching you do some like educational stuff like what's the what's the bulk of it
1: so before coronavirus we had a physical location it was a fun place for the community to hang out. We would host events, we would do parties, we would do in-person education. We had a Bitcoin 101 at least one in, once a month, one in Spanish, one in English. It was very much how can we teach as many people as possible about this? Because what's interesting is you have a lot of people who are building great technology on one end, mm-hmm. but on the other end, there's nobody that is, that is creating the on-ramps for people to understand this technology. If the statistic still is that, you know, 96% of people don't own cryptocurrencies, how do we get these 96% of people to understand? Well, we have to explain it in layman's terms. Now, post-coronavirus, um, couldn't host events anymore. In Florida, Miami was the most locked down. And so we've kind of had to change our business model and move it online. So the two main things we do now is uh, crypto coaching, which is handholding people through whatever system they need. We want to make sure people don't get scammed. We want to make sure that you know if someone has never sent wallet from uh, money from one wallet to another, that they'll do that safely and they'll you know employ good behaviors so they won't get like they won't mess it up in the future. And also, you know, really the importance of holding your own private keys. I hate seeing people locked out of their wallet because they downloaded something but were never introduced in how to secure it. So crypto coaching is a big thing we do. The second thing we do is we have a, a relationship with UC Berkeley to where we work with our professors and we provide a, a certific- certification that is time stamped on the blockchain once you complete it. And uh, our last cohort had about 30 students going through it. And it's really, you know, the the UC Berkeley professors are teaching our students blockchain from a business and a legal perspective. And then we have guest speakers come on like Jeffrey Wernick, like Nick Spanos, like myself, people who are very, you know, liberty minded Mm -hmm. and um, just making sure that while blockchain is a revolutionary technology, we want people to understand that Bitcoin is the only proven use case of blockchain thus far, and it is freedom and money. So it's this nice little balance between here's a professional skill and also a little bit of like red pilling. Um, And then I would say the last thing we do, which I do personally, is uh, I write for a magazine called Escape Artist Insiders, and it's essentially, um, you know, people, especially in cryptocurrency, they need to figure out the best way possible to be able to move freely around and also preserve their wealth. So some of the times that means second passports, sometimes that means, you know, just tax strategies. And Mm -hmm. so, um, really trying to teach just cross promote between both of those crowds, because everybody who's into the wealth preservation world, they're all into gold. And so I find myself on panels where I'm teaching about teaching Bitcoin to people who hold a lot of gold.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: so, teaching the boomers I like to say uh, sure. but writing about it and making sure that on the crypto side people have resources to be able to save their gains
0: right do you get a lot of inquiries about um, taxes and related to crypto and you know how they're supposed to be filing for certain things like is that like a major issue that people bring to you?
1: I do get a lot of those questions but because I'm not a tax attorney, Mm-hmm. i definitely defer to my tax guy who was great he's a crypto accountant so nice. he, he definitely knows his way around
0: is is there like good software out there to like really track that stuff or does it all have to be done by hand because i personally have had this issue too and i know a lot of people as well it's there's like software but like it doesn't necessarily track accurately your transfers between exchanges because you can't always tell from one wallet to another if that's mm-hmm. You know, a sale, or if that's just a transfer, mm-hmm. everything has to be um, mm-hmm. marked and identified. So,
1: yeah, it's it's really complicated, and if you ask me, it's also super unfair. Because why is it that I need to figure out how much money I owe the government? It's and and there's no tools that are around for that to exist. Also, you know, many people in the space know that the Federal Reserve was created in 1913. Coincidentally, that's also the same year that the income tax was created. So, there are some taxes that are really just unconstitutional. And I do have a tax attorney that. Um, Teaches a lot about this, you know. Walks us through the tax code and, and shows us how to mitigate your tax risk. Now, crypto taxes. I can't recommend any software. I can only recommend my tax attorney, who's his name is Tabo. Nice. He's hits crypto CPAs. Great people.
0: Yeah, we need more crypto CPAs. They're going to make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. With the with the UC Berkeley thing, is that? academic credit or is that just like a certificate program or like what's the deal there
1: it's a certificate program Mm -hmm. and then um i don't you don't get a credit at uc berkeley no it's just it's just the professors at uc berkeley their business professors are the ones that are teaching the main courses Mm -hmm.
0: okay yeah because i've seen a lot of certificate programs out there for different things in blockchain and i can only think of uh, one actual program for academic credit, and that's at Portland State. Mm-hmm. I had them on the podcast a while back, but I don't think anyone else is really doing anything for credit. I'm not quite sure why, but maybe it's maybe it's a, a demands thing. Maybe it's just not part of uh, curricula yet. Not sure, but it'd be nice to see that so that you get like more people in the computer science space or on those tracks actually have an opportunity to go into blockchain coming out of like undergrad um that would be more beneficial for this space because you're forcing a whole bunch of people to just learn solidity or learn a new coding language or to to take all these extra um certificate classes to Mm -hmm. really brush up when they could just be learning it in the school system so.
1: Yeah. So that's the problem with the school system, right? Is that for one, the professors in the school system, like, for example, if you have a business or an entrepreneurship professor in your school system, most likely he is teaching because he did not succeed in business or entrepreneurship. So you're not really learning cutting edge things. Also, you know, you talk about you bring up a good point, you know, learn solidity, learn the, the different coding languages that allow you to become a blockchain developer. That, is, that would take probably years to implement in traditional universities just because of the bureaucracy of universities. And by the time that it comes around and does get implemented, you'll see the technology has already changed. So I am a huge advocate for people to spend less money and go to trade schools. You know There are so many, like for example, General Assembly is a great global school that teaches you coding from the comfort of your home. They also have really great programs where Um, like, you don't have to pay tuition, but after you get a job, you pay them a certain percentage of your uh, salary for X amount of months to pay your tuition off. So there's a lot of programs that are out there. Like, I don't want people to think that they have to get a four-year degree in order to be able to be successful, because Mm -hmm. I'll tell you that, you know, not specialized education is a waste of time.
0: Exactly. It's almost kind of ironic that they, they funnel, funnel all these, students and push all the time to go to a four-year, four-year university where you spend all this money and you end up getting a degree that just in the end turns out to be somewhat useless and that you can't really capitalize on um, but you could just you could take online courses for a fraction of the price that you'd spend and learn how to code for example and be able to take on a number of different jobs and get a six-figure income
1: Yeah, Uh, while being able to go to the beach whenever you want.
0: Yeah, and go to the beach whenever you want. Work from home. It's 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 one of the
1: yeah they they this is this is the rat race right. Make sure you Mm -hmm. get involved in it while you're young. It's like go to school, take out a loan so you Mm -hmm. can go to school, so you can get a job, so you can pay for your loan. And and I just it makes me so upset because I I can see how many how many friends of mine are not able to start families? How many brilliant friends of mine are not able to be entrepreneurial because they are tied to some student loan debt for a degree that they never worked with? They never worked in that field ever. So um, exactly. I, we're, we're fed that a college education will give you the insights. But in reality, some of these fees trade schools for sure have better job placement programs than any university I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, I think most of the universities are going to blow up at some point, because uh, most of them are only standing because they get all these loans from the government, all these grants, Mm -hmm. and then they can charge whatever they want in terms of tuition and rack up the costs, because the government's essentially Mm -hmm. paying for it. That's going to probably stop at some point, that flow of cash. And um, I imagine a lot of these universities will get incredibly cheap, or they'll just kind of start fizzing out because i don't think that's the future sending a whole bunch of students to these giant universities and nothing coming out of it so not making any money they're not really progressing yeah. so
1: mm-hmm.
0: we'll probably it's see weird.
1: It's, it's 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 continual indoctrination if you ask me but with universities they've stepped it up because they've made it so now you're paying them for it it's so I, wild. I
0: it's, it's all messed up it's so backwards
1: <laughs> yeah but I, I think I'm really hopeful for our generation because I think we realize this and we're like, no more.
0: Yeah, the, there'll be some changes. Our generation's growing up through some of these issues and they'll, they'll want to see a lot of change, um, you know, especially in, in terms of finance too and, and banking and, and Bitcoin. So, you know, speaking of Bitcoin, what do you think's going to happen with it going going into 2021 i mean we got an election coming up pretty soon i mean mm-hmm. we got coronavirus going crazy um we got we got riots we got social issues and dilemmas to deal with what do you think's uh likely to happen with bitcoin and crypto at least the sentiment of it as we kind of move towards 2021?
1: Yeah, I mean, 2021 is the year of the Bitcoin, I feel like. <laughs> so in re- it's like, you see, it, it's so great because as long as I've been teaching people about this, it's getting easier and easier to talk to institutional investors about what's going on, mm-hmm. especially lately because, uh, you know, Fidelity Fidelity manages about $800 billion. They came out and they said that um, they came out with an investment thesis and their investment thesis predicts a $50,000 Bitcoin in 2021. Now, to me, that number is still very conservative because I, I do this math problem all the time in my presentations. But essentially, you know, at 10, 000, Bitcoin's at about $11,000 right now. Our market cap is about $200 billion. Now, when you think about that, $200 billion is, you know, Apple was once valued at $1 trillion. There are entire companies, just companies listed on the NASDAQ that are worth more than $200 billion. It is just a drop in the bucket. Mm -hmm. So just doing the math, if the price of Bitcoin was to go to $100,000, then the market cap of Bitcoin would be $2 trillion. Now $2 trillion sounds like a lot. But when you compare it to certain things, like for example, the gold market cap, gold market cap is about $10 trillion. It's still only one fifth of the gold market cap. And this is global digital gold that's easy to access. So when I see things like that, I'm like, you know, $100,000 Bitcoin, it sounds crazy, but it's super, super achievable. And then you also see things like um, in 2020, the Federal Reserve printed $7 trillion. We've increased our balance sheet by 75% in the past 10 months. So that is a very, very dangerous thing for the U.S. dollar. And it's a very powerful thing for stores of value like gold and like Bitcoin.
0: Right, right. I like to make that comparison, too, because gold has an eight to ten trillion dollar global market cap. Um, And everyone's always trying to make these asset comparisons between Bitcoin and gold. So, I mean, if Bitcoin ended up being the quote unquote digital gold of the future, where people turn to as a, a safe haven investment, you know, it's very likely that Bitcoin could at least be worth a fraction of that, but would likely get pretty close to eight to ten trillion dollars if it ever actually took on that status.
1: Yeah. But uh, it, what it like, for example, the Escape Artist Insiders, the magazine I write for, which if you guys want to subscribe to, it is a magazine about international passports. And I mean, you probably know subscribe. all about. Yeah. <laughs> blockchaincentercom dot com slash magazine um you can learn all about it sorry there's guys laugh like i just, uh, No them to on. hey guys okay um anyways so uh where was i going with that gold market cap market cap gold, gold
0: market cap comparisons bitcoin is as an asset blah,
1: blah. yeah except here's the thing with gold right is that For one, we don't actually know how much gold is out there. 1933, FDR confiscated everybody's gold. Mm-hmm. that's when it was like an account of how much gold is actually out there. But we really don't know. Like what happens if someone strike, like someone's gold mine finds a ton of gold tomorrow, then everyone's value is is, is less who owns gold. What's interesting about Bitcoin is that, you know, almost even down to the minute when new Bitcoins are entering the market, the inflation's schedule or the technical, well, the inflation schedule is very, very precise. Now, the other interesting thing about gold and Bitcoin is that You know, we can only speculate what can happen when 60 percent of the world's population that doesn't have access to banks can now access a digital gold with just a cell phone and a Wi-Fi signal. Like, imagine what smart people in third, second world countries, imagine that they can now contribute to a global economy. We have no idea what's going to happen because of that. So I do think that because of Bitcoin's liquidity, because of its ability to move around and, and it's unconfiscatable and it's uncensorable, you're going to see it surpass gold's market cap as long as, of course, you know, the core developers continue to uh, make sure that it's still secure and people still contribute to via hash rates.
0: It it's not going away, and I think that's the biggest point. And the fact that you, it has a very predictable inflation model, um, you know, you you know how much Bitcoin's going to exist. You know, when when it's uh, being released, you can you can time these things out. You can you can predict it, and it's it's all there. It's transparent. With with gold, it's difficult because you can make the argument that there's technically potentially an unlimited amount of gold because you know if you look at what we're going to be able to do in terms of mining in the future for minerals, resources, Mm -hmm. metals, um, you know, that'll go beyond, beyond earth. And I guess this is a completely different conversation, (laughs) but that makes
1: sense. There's probably a bunch of gold that,
0: yeah, Yeah. the existential um, potential of gold being found out there on an asteroid or another planet, you know, once we start doing uh, things outside of earth and, you know, you make new discoveries every day, there's tons of gold in the earth that's prospected, but we never pull out of the ground. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's a constant issue where you're actually inflating away gold, but you can't really, you don't really notice it nowadays.
1: Yeah, and it's the it's the access to gold that makes it completely different too. Right. I mean, imagine somebody in India who is very intelligent that they can't buy gold. Like, what are they gonna do? Store it in their house so they can get robbed? Like, But what they can do is they can remember their 12 to 24 word seed phrase. <laughs>
0: I think the funniest thing people do with with gold is they dig it out of the ground, buy it, and then they just bury it right back in the ground again. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why are you pulling it out of the ground in the first place?
1: Yeah, uh, this is, an, you know, just in terms of outlook for Bitcoin 2021 for sure. I think that we're going to see Jim Rickards become a huge shill for Bitcoin. I don't know if you watched really? that show with him, yeah, with him and Anthony Pompliano. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was interesting to watch him because he didn't talk well about Bitcoin before. But now he was like, whoa, I understand this. What he said was, he said, I think that because for my kids, I'm going to give them Bitcoin in order to pass on my wealth. Because what happens if they don't remember where I dug the gold? <laughs> I mean, it makes Jim sense. Jim
0: Rickards is, uh, I, I like him a lot. I follow him very closely and he's incredibly smart. He, His opinion changes on many things depending on you know the situation that's kind of how you know his his mind works and Mm -hmm. what his background was like because he'd form all these currency wars um you know for like the cia and different um scenarios for like what could happen with the financial system Mm -hmm. um so that you can like prepare for it at a government level so i his opinion changes a lot depending on what's going on in the economy what's what's uh mental shift like with people like what's the ideological shift Mm -hmm. um he he definitely does that with the election too because he goes back and forth on whether or not he thinks trump or biden will win he did that a lot with um hillary and trump Mm -hmm. um but it'd be really interesting to see him start to shield bitcoin if he did that i i would be uh probably a little shocked but at the same time it'd be pretty cool
1: and, you know, what, I'm sorry, I actually do have to correct myself because your Jim Rickards is I've subscribed to his newsletter for years. Very, very intelligent man taught me about SDRs, taught me about how he thinks. Did you read his article about how he thinks that Trump is going to um, make an uh, make an ounce or a pound of gold worth $10,000 in order to equal out our debt?
0: Yeah, He's been talking about that for a while. Yeah, I mean, that's right? a solution for it. If you just revalue gold to somewhere around ten thousand dollars, and then you have a more economical solution for the U.S. dollar, if you decide to back the U.S. dollar to gold.
1: Yeah, but I do have to, I do have to um, correct myself because it wasn't Jim Records. it was the, the ma- Mad Money guy
0: oh jim Jim kramer Kramer.
1: jim kramer yeah and i actually need to change this in my article okay
0: so jim Rickards is
1: a legend jim Jim, kramer he's eight
0: really jim Rickards is pushing bitcoin interesting
1: (laughs) yeah no no it's kramer it's kramer my bad
0: (laughs) that'd be cool in theory yeah jim kramer i could see um he's an interesting guy too yeah you'll see a lot of these economists and you know people that are publicly on television start pushing this more uh, mm-hmm. It's all about what the demand is. And I think the demand is starting to come, especially with the banks, you know, being able to get this green light to work with crypto and more yeah. corporations becoming more comfortable with what blockchain is. Uh, 2021 will be exciting as long as this virus kind of dies off. As long as we can yeah. get normalcy, I think mm-hmm. we're going to see some positive things. I think it will be... <sighs> Bless you.
1: <laughs> I think the virus has actually been an interesting, like, blessing for Bitcoin um, mm-hmm. because it's kind of, for one, like, for example, um, the new hot story is is MicroStrategy, Michael Saylor, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, Michael Saylor lives in Miami. He has a villa in Miami. I actually went there one time and I talked to him about Bitcoin, and this was before. I didn't really know who he was. I just kind of like went over there with a girlfriend and I talked to everybody about Bitcoin, but he was not about it. He was like, no, like it's no, it's no fundamentals, like all this stuff, but whatever, super nice guy. Now, what he said was because of coronavirus, he had nothing to do. So he went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. And so you're seeing these people because they kind of have to slow down a little bit on their lives realize and start asking them questions that maybe they should have already been asking themselves a while ago so i think coronavirus is so far actually has been good for bitcoin because people are worried right so the uh the escape artist company that i work with they help people get second passports because right now in the united states you can if you have a u.s passport i don't know what passports you have but if you have U.S. passport, you are only allowed to go to a couple countries in Africa, uh, the Mexico, the United States, and I think uh, there are a couple like Brazil, right? There's very, very few places that you can go with a U.S. passport. So they are seeing business go off of the charts because everyone's worried about. I need a second passport, otherwise I'm not going to be able to go anywhere because everyone is shutting out U.S. citizens, mm-hmm. and I think you're seeing a similar response with Bitcoin. It's like whoa. The Federal Reserve's balance sheet expanded 75% this year. Where can I save my money? Okay, gold's gold is no longer, um, it, it is very hard to get a hold of. Gold hit $2,000 this year. What else, what other options do I have? And people are more inclined to learn about Bitcoin. And I see it so interestingly too, because when you have, um, when you have something that is a store of value that's easy to get in and out of, mm-hmm. It's just, this is this is what the world can default to. Now, one of the things that people need to realize though, is that if you hold your Bitcoin in an exchange, you're essentially doing the same thing as holding your money in a bank. It's, it's like, there's really no innovation there, but except for the, of course, the appreciation of your Bitcoin. Um, but I just, I, I want everyone to know to hold their own private keys, you know? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, it's important. If you have a lot of something, you should probably be holding your own private keys. Don't leave it on exchange unless you're like an active trader. That's one mm-hmm. thing, but keep a close eye on that stuff. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. What was I going to say? Yeah, it's. I think one of the biggest things is this chaos factor with Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. Every Every time there's like some chaos of some kind, people really do seem to move to Bitcoin. So like if we look at the March uh, lockdown forward to now, you saw a lot of people go to cash very quickly. Everything Mm -hmm. dumped everything. Everything went to cash, stock Mm -hmm. market and equities, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, you name it. Um, Eventually what ended up happening, if you look at the charts and you do the technical analysis, I don't know if you're into that stuff or not. I am. If you really dig into it, you start to catch on this trend where all of a sudden people started putting their money into things like Bitcoin, into things like gold, um, into uh, commodities. Yeah. And a lot to do with silver. Mm -hmm. has a lot to do with people being scared and unsure of what's going on in the world and and then ever since pandemic everything just started in society just kind of collapsing you have martial law and curfews and you have Mm -hmm. the west coast burning and the east coast hit with hurricanes and a scary election again and um all this uncertainty and once again everyone's moving into this stuff it's very similar to the uncertainty and chaos we were having in 2016 before the election um, and right after Trump won, all of a sudden, Bitcoin started climbing like crazy and really pulled that market up over a period of a year. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very likely if you take that chaos factor and plug it in um, where we started in March and how the, the crypto market, if you just look at that, has done so well. And if we get through the election and we have a positive outcome that you know crypto really starts getting... Heavy investment moving into 2021. So I think there's a strong possibility, if you look at it that way, that um, we could see a nice run up in Bitcoin once again. But
1: yeah, I think, I think regardless, we're going to see that run up, right? Because of the stock to flow model, because Bitcoin have a halving, um, because global unrest and people flock to Bitcoin. Uh, there are two examples that I love to give people. The first one is, um, you know, in Venezuela right now, if I were to send money to Venezuela between both uh, countries, the remittance fee would be about 56% which is not fair because the people in Venezuela need this money. So if you send them Bitcoin, they get their full amount and they're able to spend it. The most adopted country in the world for Bitcoin is Venezuela because they're needed and hyperinflation went crazy there, but hyperinflation and inflation, Exce- like excess inflation is happening in the US right now. It mm-hmm. hasn't hit hyperinflation. Maybe we haven't seen it as much, but it's going to catch up to us. And then the second story in terms of a little bit of chaos is that, um, you know, uh, Turkey has been going through a ton of unrest and their currency hit, um, you know, dropped, I think it was like 20 Thirty-seven percent in one year, and in that during that year, Bitcoin continually was hitting all-time highs. It's right. a flock to safety for many.
0: Yeah, Turkey has been an issue for years. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know what's going on in Turkey anymore. Um, it's, yeah. it's also kind of funny because Colombia just opened up their borders again to international flights, um, mm-hmm. so I'm finally able to get back stateside. But it's funny <laughs> because they opened it up to a few neighboring countries in Latin America to the US and Turkey of all places. I'm just, Interesting. okay, okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, places like that, um, if you look at like Iraq, if you look at Venezuela, they have really high premiums on Bitcoin
1: mm-hmm.
0: generally. Um,
1: Except Colombia has like a negative nine premium, so <laughs> it's kind of nice.
0: Yeah. It's, They're
1: not discount, negative dis- nine discount, my bad. <laughs>
0: It's, it's pretty common here. Um, yeah. You'll see a lot of people starting to accept Bitcoin. Um, it's kind of nice because then I don't have to worry about the stupid conversion fee and getting gypped when I convert my dollars to pesos so mm-hmm. I can just buy with Bitcoin. It's very likely that the government here passes some type of legislation in the next couple of years. I know they've been working on it for a while because they, they want to get more people in fintech here. I know they have mm-hmm. some working groups and they have some uh, sandboxes they're putting together uh, where they'll try and fund some startups locally. So I've been trying to get into that as well, but the banking system will probably come around eventually as well, because they mostly get their their rules on paper from Citibank in New York. So really, yeah, I mean, it's a kind of a copycat banking system here, so. Whatever the U.S. banking system is doing, they take that as being legitimate, and then they'll try to implement similar um, mm-hmm. similar monetary controls. So I imagine in a few years, they'll be more friendly, but unfortunately, yeah. we can't have a bank account associated with crypto here yet.
1: There is one bank, and I'll, I can send it to you after this. I don't remember the name of it, but uh, they are they have a little bit of a green light when it comes to crypto, but they are also like an internet bank only. Like They have no they have no physical locations but I'll send it to you it's i my my colombian friends i have some people who just look out for what's happening in other countries and it's pretty okay. interesting
0: is it, it an online you. digital bank
1: um it is it is an online digital bank but let me see if i can actually okay. check that I can, it.
0: I can find it, it Do you know is. if they take on foreigners or just citizens in colombia
1: i think that you do i don't know couldn't tell you
0: okay yeah but if you find the bank name send it to me i'll, I'll definitely look into it because i will and you
1: can yeah i'll find it i'll find it i'll let you know but you can let me know what you think about it
0: yeah absolutely i i, I need to find a bank that I can operate with crypto here uh, yeah. they're, just, they're so strict about it
1: you know and what it seems like is that um here actually I like i bet you i can find it right now Eh, I'll have to find it later, <laughs> okay. Okay. but um, anyways, so what's interesting too is that like, I feel like a lot of what people are thinking is very dependent on, they're very dependent on the outcome of the elections. And I think that for Bitcoin and crypto, regardless, like things are going up, there was a tweet circulating today that I retweeted that is about um, how the Rothschilds are buying GPTC so it's like they bought. It was like two hundred and fifty. I don't. I don't even know how to read this thing. But they bought. Bitcoin. I don't know if anyone
0: really knows what the Rothschilds are buying, but everything they want. I mean, everything. I mean, they? Well, they control the banking system, so that's essentially where their main interest would be. Um, mm-hmm. But with with that said, I'm sure they're very diversified.
1: Yeah, I mean diversification is key which is why I trade stuff that's other than Bitcoin, even though, you know, Bitcoin is sound money. Mm -hmm. There is speculative technology that can grow in price that is represented on a blockchain.
0: Beck, energy, there's there's a lot of different sectors to invest in, Um, Mm -hmm. not just Bitcoin and crypto, but it's definitely the more fun one to be in because it moves so quickly and you just have no idea what day will be the day. Yeah, (laughs) it's very true. Are you more of a maximalist when it comes to Bitcoin? Or do you believe that it'll have competition, Um, like leaving out like things like Ethereum, for example, and just looking at cryptocurrencies? Do you think Bitcoin will really have the the forefront with that? Or do you think there'll be some fresh diversity?
1: So I think that Bitcoin is very unique because it has this concept of immaculate conception where there is no ruler, there is no creator, there is no one person that you can point to that has too much power over the system. When Mark Zuckerberg created Libra, you know, Congress called in Mark Zuckerberg because they could point to the leader and that's completely impossible in, in this system. Now, I can't say that there's no leader for all other cryptocurrencies. I mean, I know there's a couple like Ravencoin and stuff that I've tried to model it off of that, uh, but really you also, you always do have one spokesperson also with bitcoin bitcoin is very much decentralized like there i don't see any other cryptocurrency that's actually decentralized and in my opinion in an ideal world something is not a blockchain unless it's decentralized unless there is multiple points that you like unless there are multiple points of failure instead of just one so Um, I don't consider myself a Bitcoin maximalist because I feel like some of that energy is very, very toxic. But I understand where it comes from. I understand that these people have seen scam after scam after scam. They've seen so many people say that this is the next Bitcoin and it's not because I don't think there's ever going to be a next Bitcoin unless you create this perfect storm of we don't know who the leader is. We also don't know know who's holding the nodes. We also don't know who the miners are. I don't think you're going to see anything like that. And plus, like, I mean, the hash rate of of Bitcoin itself is very, very high. Now, other cryptocurrencies, those are speculative technology investments. I don't ever see Ethereum. I don't ever see any of these other cryptocurrencies really trying to even say that they are built on sound money principles like Bitcoin is. You know, Bitcoin is Austrian economics written into software code that anybody can verify. And that's why it's good money. But does it, can the technology be used for other things? Absolutely, it can. So, you know, I consider them to be Bitcoin, altcoins, shitcoins. There are coins that will absolutely never do anything for you. They're essentially vaporware. But there are coins with amazing projects who are doing, uh, doing systems that will be able to improve business processes, but none of them are sound money. Bitcoin is the only one that's sound money.
0: Yeah, I, I look at Bitcoin as like the first hybrid version of both a currency, a form of money, and also an asset at the same time, because um, it seems to really function in both of those roles today. It's slowly kind of losing that status as money, though. It's 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 not as functionable as money as it should be, um, which is why it's getting this wrap as being more of an asset or this. Mm. Uh, hybrid currency asset of the internet, which yeah. I can understand too. Um, that makes so, sense.
1: I mean, that makes sense. It's a, it's a store of value. Like you're not going to be seeing me right. send, spend my bitcoins. Like it's a store of value. It's, it's, right. it's probably as easy. I mean, it's easier to spend than gold if you have physical gold, but I would say it's, it's not like cash where you could just spend it, or it's not sure. like the money in your debit card where you can just spend it.
0: True. But I mean, like in terms of remittance, like mm-hmm. is Bitcoin, Really good for remittance versus what else is out there? Because I mean, there's more centralized options like Ripple. There's players that are, you know, not as popular right now, but have a past, like Litecoin. There's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of other things on the table. Um, you could look at tokens like on the Ether ecosystem, things mm-hmm. that they're building through Defi that can solve these problems too. So I, I think there's potentially a better version of a currency or form of money for remittance that might ta- kind of take away from Bitcoin. But I think as an asset for the internet, Bitcoin's proven its track record. Yeah, I mean, it was the best asset of the past decade, highest performing asset of the past decade. That that tells you a lot, you can't deny that. Yeah. Um, so
1: like, what if uh, just in terms of remittance, I just think about, you know, let's say it is Ripple, let's say it is one of these ERC-20 tokens that is focused on remittance. The problem also always becomes in that country that you are remitting to, how do they get it into their national currency? Right. And, and, and the thing is, with Bitcoin's infrastructure, just because it's been around the longest, there is infrastructure that exists for there. There are Bitcoin ATMs out there. Now, I know many Bitcoin ATMs, like they'll also support other currencies like Litecoin, like XRP. Uh, but I think that in terms of, of uh, you know, and also there's different levels of remittance like, is like, are you a bank doing remittance to another bank? Then, yeah, you probably will use XRP or even the legacy SWIFT banking system. But if you are someone who went, you know, like Mike's, for example, my family's Filipino, Mm -hmm. Filipino person comes to the United States, works here, sends money back to their family. Um, What is the best option? It's something that they can use in their currency, they can use in their country to get back to the currency that they need to spend locally.
0: Right, right. Uh, there'll be tons of options and there already are. So I I think it'll be interesting how some of those shape up as we get the economy rolling again and we get into 2021. Um, So many different protocols and platforms that are growing tremendously faster than Ethereum is. So I think we're going to see a lot of change up. Do you have any
1: particular remittance platforms that you have your eye on?
0: Um, I've been a fan of Ripple for a long time, not from a so, like, I, I believe that being narrow minded and saying that it has to be decentralized mm-hmm. is a bit of a problem. I think there needs to be a little bit of both, it is uh, it, mm-hmm. working within the legacy financial system or you're working outside of it. You need a little bit of both in order to navigate like you do today. So, mm-hmm. having Ripple, I think, would be really good for pushing the banking system in that direction. And then you look at Stellar's competitions at that. They're all. Mm-hmm you know, fundamentally really good. I mean, they're not decentralized, but they yeah. will serve a really good purpose for a lot of people. And then
1: yeah,
0: from absolutely. A, from an undecentralized or <laughs> a decentralized uh, perspective, um, I, there's uh, a lot of things being done on Ethereum. There's going to be a lot of dApps and DeFi work on Cardano when it finishes. It's, uh, I think it's Goguin. It's coming up at some point. We'll see where EOS goes. We'll see if Tron fades out or not. But there's so many tokens that are filling that gap too that it's also starting to take away from, you know, what Litecoin used to do. Um, Mm -hmm. What, I don't know, so many other coins.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the thing is too, is like, I I see the use case for XRP. I see the use case for Stellar. I see that these Mm -hmm. platforms need to be somewhat centralized in order for you to be able to achieve these things for Ripple to be able to get the banking relationships and the government relationships that it has, there has to be a team behind it. But where the distinction needs to be made clear is that the reason why we are in the failing fiat money system that we are in is because some person, some group, some entity got too much control. Mm -hmm. So this is the same problem that we're setting ourselves up to be we're setting ourselves up to be vulnerable to fall into the same issue and with bitcoin that's not possible so i do think like in terms of remittance xrp probably is one of the best ones especially if you're a bank especially if you want that interbank settlement money where you're not having to spend the, the amount it costs to send fiat across uh, across borders right. but i just i the option to operate in a system that cannot eventually fall into the hands or would be quite difficult to fall into the hands of one entity that just want, decides to print more, decides to change the economics behind it. That is why I love Bitcoin so much and I want to talk about it first always. But everything else, I mean, definitely has use cases.
0: Bitcoin's just the most fascinating one because it's the it's the oldest one. It's never given up that number 1 spot. Its market cap is continuously growing. It's the mm-hmm. most proven digital asset out there. So, I I don't think there's anything that's going to take it down. It just seems to to really feed on the negativity and it just keeps going back up. Up. Yeah, cuz
1: like what if cuz like I mean, think about it like this, like for Ripple, right? Like by the way, you, are you getting your Spark tokens?
0: Uh no for Ripple. Is that a thing?
1: yeah 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 oh, ripples I I, having I, a fork
0: i'll, okay, I'll and have to y- into that yeah
1: uh, i know i have to actually one of my clients too he has a bunch of ripple and so i'm like i gotta help him make sure he gets his spark tokens and figure out which wallet support it yeah. um but you get a ripples having a fork in a couple days so okay. uh, yeah, i would I make sure that you are yeah correctly aligned I, i've
0: been so um, focused on getting my file coin airdrop uh through gemini lately that i have just not paid attention to anything else. So I've been waiting like yeah. three years on my Filecoin to finally get uh, the SAFT unlocked so that I start getting oh Filecoin. I know. It's, it's, I just I almost forgot about it too. And they started emailing yeah. me. They're like, oh, we're, we're releasing Filecoin. I'm like, fucking finally. Jesus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I know. It's, it's crazy. You really have to be on top of this, especially if you hold more than one coin. Uh, but Ripple is having a fork called Spark. And I think like, I always tell people too, I'm like the central bank digital currency, CBDC, if I had to make bets, I would bet that it's going to be Ripple. You know, I just, I, they have a relationship with Microsoft. They have a relationship with you, with the UN, like you name it, Ripple has a relationship with them. I don't necessarily like it, but I see it and I see the opportunity to make money on it and I'm a capitalist. So what am I supposed to do? You know, um, but I definitely, I, I just think Ripple is going to be the CBDC, but I just, have to put the same situation out because I'm a person like uh, Instagram deleted my Instagram, right? And they haven't given it back to me. And it's a problem because what happened, and and many of my friends have been kicked off of multiple social media platforms. I've been put in Twitter jail before for things that I say that are not wrong. They're just controversial, which is my right to be controversial. Um, But what happens when we go on a money system like Ripple and we like it because it's fast, because it's easy to transact, because it's cheap, right? We like it for these reasons. But then you do something that makes the government mad and they have the right now because they have the control, because they know which wallet address is associated with your name. You can't just create a new one. Because of that, they can just shut down your access to commerce. So this is why I'm, I'm very, very gung-ho about Bitcoin in particular is because that is impossible. Now, other things will take the stage. But in terms of pure money, we need like almost every single evil thing that's happened throughout history has happened because of counterfeit money you see like in america right now like the blm riots and like all the whole movements they're happening because there is huge wealth inequality right but when we think about wealth inequality it is not the fault of people of certain skin colors what the fault is is we have counterfeit money that's coming around it is not fair that the federal reserve can a print money without letting anybody know they're not even a U.S entity, right? They print money. They don't add value to the economy while printing that money. And then they also pass it around to their buddies first. Mm-hmm. And so this is why you have such a stark wealth inequality. When you look at slavery, right? There are, or sorry, Like the slave trade initially,
0: mm-hmm. a
1: lot of slaves were purchased with fake counterfeit money. So whether it is actually printing fake paper and, and convincing people that this is real, or whether it's you know the federal reserve entering more ones and zeros in the back end and saying there's more money in the account now guess what you know it's 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 bad money that is the root of many many issues and i just see that a lot of these other blockchains are subject to becoming bad money down the line
0: yeah it's it's possible you know currency just in general is really the detriment of the financial system the legacy financial system it's done nothing but cause problems ever since its uh, inception so I, I think the era of currency, you know, paper money, fiat, um, I think that's going to start fizzing out very soon. Cause a lot of central banks are looking very seriously at digital forms of of money, especially the People's Bank of China. Um, probably more, more more famously, there's a lot of other smaller countries working on it. I guarantee the U.S. government's working on a digital dollar. So. Yeah. Once these things come out, I think economics is going to shift big time. The question is, I think, is it going to be backed by something like gold or another asset? Or is it actually going to take on something similar to Bitcoin's protocol? Or is it just going to be completely centralized with a really bad inflation model? Like who's putting it together? I think that's what the bigger question is going to be is what's this new monetary model.
1: Yeah. Which do you think it is? If you had to take a bet, because obviously Congress is talking about CBDCs, like how can we distribute $1,200 to people more effectively? You're seeing Microsoft, you're seeing every single big name company have some type of blockchain patent. If you had to guess, what would you say it
0: is? It's tough to say because I think the financial banking system is dying because if you look at where finance is going, it's big tech. Big Mm -hmm. tech is latching on to the banking space and sucking them dry right now i mean there's so many better options to bank through a cash app. subsidiary of a big tech company than it is to do it with wells fargo or bank of america the mm-hmm. cash app gives me far more benefits than bank of america
1: mm-hmm. and yeah, sure. that's
0: just one company and all yeah. these tech companies have different solutions whether it's apple or samsung or um or cash app with Twitter or whatever Facebook's going to end up coming out with, with Libra. Um, There's just so many different options. And I think the banks are dying. And I think that influence is also going to affect the government and what they do. And I'm not quite sure yet in terms of what I think is going to happen with the government, which like a U.S. dollar.
1: uh, do you think that well because i mean us dollar is already digital right there's nothing new but now it's like are we going to put on a blockchain but do you think
0: that i was just
1: wondering what do you think the cbdc is going to be
0: yeah the cbdc it's i think there's a very strong possibility uh of two strong possibilities one they use a basket of currencies uh similar Mm -hmm. to what the imf has done because i know i know they yeah because i know they don't like the imf and the sdr um so there's a very strong chance they do that, and who knows what they put in that basket. The other is that they use a private blockchain potentially built on NEO, because uh, NEO has a really strong reputation in China, and they're the only crypto really that's been working close to the banks and the government there and businesses. So. Yeah. I think it's one of those two possibilities.
1: Yeah, the annoying thing about NEO though is you can only send full amounts and then you have like transaction fees and it's like, okay, so guess what? What do I do with the rest of my 0.75 NEO? I fucking it sell the Bitcoin. It would
0: have to be built on a private chain built on NEO. Um, there's some possibilities for that. It could be token-based, I'm not sure. But I think the most likely scenario is it's a basket.
1: Mm, interesting, very interesting. Well, yep.
0: we'll see. You have a thought on it or no?
1: I, I mean, I just think that the CBDC is going to be Ripple. Like, I think that they are going to implement Ripple. So okay. we'll see what happens. You say,
0: you say Ripple, I say Neo. Let's let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. <laughs> All right. Well.
1: Any other bets you want to make?
0: <laughs> uh, I, no, <laughs> I'm not going to make bets because I could be wrong. <laughs> but I'll, we'll just do, I'll just make it a blank bet. I'm, I'm betting you it's Neo. You're betting okay. Ripple. We'll just for bragging rights, I guess. Okay, great. Um, anyways. Thanks. Erica, thanks for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Know you got to go. Um, love what you're doing with Blockchain Center. I love your YouTube videos personally, those are fun.
1: Thanks. Um, Actually, um, so my friend uh Katie, you probably haven't seen them yet, but she and I are coming out. We've filmed probably like seven of them so far. Mm-hmm. We're gonna post them, do a little release. I'll let you know. They're super simple, like less than three minutes, but an explanation of very basic terms in the crypto space. So I'll keep you posted on those.
0: Yeah, I love that stuff. So let me know. Um and if I I might be able to get out of the airport for a little bit and I'll try and uh, maybe meet up with you guys on the twenty fifth. So I'll I'll stay in contact and let you know.
1: Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me and maybe we can do this again. I have like a bunch of girls, like crypto girls that come in and out and stuff. So maybe we can do like a...
0: Yeah, talk to them. Talk to them if they're interested and they want to jump on a podcast and talk about crypto. I'm more than happy. I got got time. So just let me know. Um, Awesome. Enjoy your Thursday. Enjoy your dirty chai latte um, (laughs) and uh, talk to you soon.
1: Thank you. Bye, Brandon. Bye.